Hello, and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to scintillating, amazing, and fascinating comedians from across the globe, and inspire comedians to live the comedy journey on our own terms. Now, the next guest, he's told me that his name was short for George. He's told his name rhymes with SEO, like search engine optimization. He, it's also similar to Geo, like Geo Maps. He's a man from the Denmark comedy scene. He has conquered Denmark. He is a man you're going to absolutely love. He's a man with so many stories that will fascinate you. He's going to be absolutely amazing. Please welcome the amazing Gia. Thank you. The pressure is on now, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so wow. You've got to tell a joke now. Yeah, holy smoly, yeah. So, Gia, thanks for coming on the podcast and, like, just before we started, like, you know, you told me that the interesting story about how you came up with your name and you came up with your name. Did you buy it off eBay? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was, um, you know, my, my name is spelled G-E-O and uh, it's an abbreviation of George. Uh, and uh, but in Denmark, you know, we pronounce Geo and George the same way, uh, G-E-O. And then I was, you know, when people in high school found out that Geo was my middle name, they just started calling me that, and I was known by by that as as, um, as Geo. And when I started doing stand up, I would say, "Yeah, my name is Geo Helpo," and the the MC would never remember it. They always say, "Oh, well, you know," uh, and a big round of applause for Geo, and left up my my last name. And then I thought, you know, why not just have a like a name like Bono and Sting and Madonna and and share who else got just one name and then that just stuck uh, and not a lot of people are called geo in denmark so it's not like what you who uh, yeah it's it's your brand in a way so brand you from other comics out there yeah yeah in a way yeah you could say that so with your name being geo do you have any sort of sayings like you know in, in the uk if you get insulted you get roasted or you, do, you, do you have any taglines because your stage name is Geo? Do you, do you say anything to the crowd and say, my name is Geo, you've been Geo'd? No, it's it's a funny thing about, uh, I think the, the British audience are a bit more rowdy than the Danish. You know, we don't really have hecklers in, in Denmark anymore. We start, when, oh. when stand-up started out here in in 91 um it was bad you know people would oh, say something funny and you're not funny and all those things you know but that's uh, that's basically gone now uh, i think if people started doing that heckling you know they would be thrown out um is it still is it still a big thing in in the uk and the, the, the people heckle? yes yes all right it's definitely still a thing it, especially in the bigger clubs that like people seem to think that they seem to think it's an okay thing to heckle. But I think a lot, I mean, a little bit's fine because it adds a bit of spice to an evening, but it's basically like me and you having a conversation and someone coming in and interrupting. Yeah. People don't see it like that. Yeah. And I, I think that was what annoyed us. Uh, you know, you know, you're doing a, a bit and uh, you're building up, building up. And if someone shouts, whatever, you're not funny or say something funny, you know, that ruined the whole the build up and, and eventually the punchline. Right. So I think that's why we, we started reacting against that. And uh, so so that fortunately, it's not a big thing. You know, you can do impro and then people can answer you back and, and that then that's fine. But um, I'm I'm enjoying that the hecklers are basically gone i must say and also you you back in the days you tend to write comedy uh, so that you could deal with hecklers you know so you would i think shows have become totally different after hecklers are, are eliminated more peaceful <laughs> yeah better better shows i think you know there's a big difference between a show in a in a comedy club where people are drunk and heckling, and then you know, go you go to a theater to see a one man show, right? So there is a big difference. It's a different kind of show, yeah. a different kind of material. 
Yeah. It, yeah, it, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? In that so many times people think it's okay to heckle but in comedy. But I mean, to a degree, it can be okay. It adds something to it. But so many times people come in, as you said, through punchlines and make the show about them when it isn't. It's, if you want the comedians to do their job, let them do their job. Yeah, yeah. I once, I once went to this comedy store in, in London and um, there was this guy heckling, a lot of guys heckling. And uh, one, one comedian was dealing with it. Uh, and then one got on and he just uh, pointing out, all right, throw this guy out. And he was thrown out. And I thought, hey, where's the line? Where's the, how, do you, how do you balance this? Because there was, it was the guy who's been heckling uh, you know, five minutes before this, right? Who who uh, was thrown out? So he's, I don't know, but I'm just glad. I'm just glad it's gone in, in Denmark. I must admit. So you mentioned a bit about how you've gigged a bit in the UK and like in Denmark, but like, how did you sort of get into comedy as a whole? Like, what's your, what was the moment that made you consider starting comedy, and like, how have you? got to where you are now I thought I think I always wanted to be you know comedy is fairly stand-up comedy is fairly new in Denmark it's only been around since 1991 compared to you guys what what started in 1930 or something all right um so it's fairly young here and uh, but I was like 15 16 and I saw something on television um you know, Revue, do you know Revue, uh, the genre Revue? Um, it's like a French thing where you dress up and you do some funny monologues type thing. That That's always been big in Denmark. But to young people, when I was 16, I was like, I, I don't know, I, don't, I didn't find it funny. Then I saw this, this um, yeah, what was it? It was like an alternative late night television and they brought in something. This is called stand-up comedy and this is one man, one mic. I was like, okay. And then he came in and did some, you know, a few punchlines, like just three minutes. And I was like, just blown away. I'm like, this is cool. This is, I can relate to that. And I started in, uh, being interested in it. And then stand up had just started in Denmark. I went and I saw a show. And um, and then I actually went to, um, in 90, 95, I went to London after finishing high school and working, uh, worked there as a barman. I went to the comedy store a few times and Camden Comedy Club and wherever, and I was just blown away. I thought it was so cool. And then I went back to Denmark in uh, early 96 and, and had my debut. And I just went into a cafe and said, hey, do you want, do you want some stand-up? And they uh, said, what is that? <laughs> I said, oh, do you know this guy? I said, Have you heard of this? I said, yeah, we've heard of that, that stand-up comedy. All right, cool. So I went on in at my uh, my first time. I went up and did forty five minutes and died uh, the whole time. It was just, I just died on my ass, uh, and uh, that was my start, really. <laughs> but I was just I wanted it so badly. Is uh, you know back in the days when I was young, you know, if you wanted to do to deal with comedy, you know, you had to be an actor and do funny acting things. But all of a sudden, I'd found out what I wanted to do. I found my my place, you know, and just wanted to be a stand-up comedian. That was, um, but I, you know, I went I went to university, studied English and, uh, and Danish literature. Uh, I wanted to be a high school teacher, but did stand-up uh, along with that. And um, and I lived in a small town in, in the north of Denmark. And uh, in '99, I moved to, to Copenhagen, the capital. Where you know where you really had to be uh, if you wanted to pursue your dream, and um, yeah, in, um, I think it was in two thousand I, I won the the Danish championship for for amateurs yeah. uh, in, in stand up comedian, um, and then you know from there just, just boom rose. yeah yeah, and so do you miss the full English breakfast from the UK? <laughs> I, I remember the first time I saw a plate like that and I just said what the <laughs> is that and then this English guy said to me that's why so many people uh, die of too much fat around their heart 
what's what's a, what's a Danish sort of top dish that's traditional, like the English breakfast in the UK? Yeah, we 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 would eat like in weekends we would eat buns, like buns with cheese and like nice cheese, and um, but we got you know brunch of course as well so it's similar to like full english breakfast like with bacon and scrambled eggs and sausages mm-hmm. but it's uh, rare you see the beans i would say oh you need the beans man sorry I guess. <laughs> okay <laughs> now the uk and denmark are slightly different of course they're not the but what's the what's the humor like? So you were in the UK for a bit, but how does it how do they compare? So you've I think you've you, have you performed a bit in the UK comedy scene? I have, yeah. I've um, I performed at the Leicester Comedy Festival, okay. where I did a show called uh, Cancer and Comedy. Um, uh, I did a show in Denmark called yeah, in, in Danish it would be Cancer and Comedy and. Um, I had cancer a couple of times, and I did a show about that, and that I took to um, to to the Leicester Comedy Festival. Uh, so I've done, that. and I do I do talks as well in English, um, and and keynote speaks about uh, about having cancer, being a patient, uh, and that. Um, so I have done quite a lot in English, but uh, my my only time in in England was in Leicester uh, Comedy Festival. So there's, there's two questions there, and they're both very different. Like how did you notice the difference in terms of, so you mentioned that Danish audiences are more laid back, but what about like the humour and when you're telling jokes to, how does that differ when you're, when you're playing for an English audience and when you're playing to a Danish audience? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think um, a lot of um, Danish comedians, they they look at England and, and America and, you know, I think the level is quite high. The humor level is quite high in Denmark. You know, we we grew up with Martha Biden, you know. Uh, I've seen some comedy in Germany and in uh, Spain and France and it's just like, it's just, uh, it's like they're uh, 40 years behind. And so, so Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Holland, I think the level is quite high, but not as high as England and 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 and, uh, and America. Uh, but and I noticed in the in in the Leicester when I performed there that there are certain topics you can say and talk about in Denmark that you that I as a white man can't say in England. I was talking about uh, black people that they oh. could say the N word, and uh, I was I think I was uh, comparing it to now. <laughs> Uh, cancer because I had that cancer. It was a, a very innocent joke, but it was right in the beginning of the show. It's just the first show I did was just, it was just, they were just quiet and they're just looking at me. I did like an hour and, and 10, right? And I went, oh, thanks. Uh, thank you. And blah, blah, blah. And you went down the back. And there were like six comedians standing there. I said, I said what the fuck happened? I said, you said you said uh, the N word. Say yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I, yeah, we heard what you said. You can't say that. I said, what, what do I say then? You don't. You can't as a white person talk about black people. I, I I wasn't you know putting them down or anything. I was just comparing you know what blacks could say and now I could say cancer or talk about cancer. I said well, okay, and so that that's that was surprising to me, um, but. Um, and we don't. Maybe it's you know we 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 maybe we'll get that in Denmark as well, where where it's more divided into what you can say if you're not white and black, and but it's not like that yet here. So it's it's a bit more. You, so you're saying that we're a bit more sensitive than in Denmark. Yes, I uh, or or caring uh, or or uh, ahead of times. I don't know. Uh, it's uh, but there's definitely. Uh, um, there is definitely uh, a difference, um, and you know. But I, I think uh, um, I, I think the environment there, the comedian uh, comedian environment, is, is great in England. When you, you have so much more women there, we don't have a lot of women. Uh, oh, female comedians here. It's um, we lack that. 
Um, it's yeah. So what this? It's still a thing in the UK comedy scene. Where I'd say so. Most mostly like eighty percent. I'd say seventy five percent of comedians are probably men. But oh, is that much still? All right. I'd say there's definitely. Don't know the official figures, but it's definitely a lot more men than there is women. And it's definitely yeah, okay. maybe it's the thing that's similar in both cultures that it's more common that the man tries to be funny and that's encouraged more so than the woman. Yeah. But it's, it seems to be more egged on, like it seems to be encouraged more. There's still a bit of skepticism on with a UK female comic and sometimes with female audience members. I'll hear them say, oh, I don't like female comics, but they're women. Aren't they going to support other women as comedians? But All right, all right. You still you still got that. Okay. It's too I, I just noticed there in the, in the Leicester Comedy Festival, there are loads of uh, female comedians. And maybe there's a different vibe when it's a festival compared to a comedy club. Maybe. But, it, yeah, there's, it's good that there is a lot more women in comedy, but this still needs work. But yeah, it's 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 good to have it in because it adds a bit of variety, doesn't it? It makes it different rather than just the male perspective all the time. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But I I think it's a long. It's gonna be take a long time. It's it's a, like a, it's a struggle for. Uh, I think it goes all the way back, back to primary school, when uh, you know guys like me who are not good looking, we find out. Oh, all right, if we if we uh, are funny. And uh, and you know to be funny you have to uh, bring out your your worst or your uh, ugly side mm. uh, and, uh, and and girls are taught you know you have to be pretty to to get a boyfriend or to be liked so uh, maybe they choose that instead of being funny so I think it goes all the way back to to that so it, it, I think this will take years and years and years and. Uh, and various society have to to deal with that in different um, ways to to encourage girls to be funny. It is changing, but yeah, it'll probably be a long time. It, it is what it is. The we we just gotta get get on with things, isn't it? And try and try and help out where we can. If we, if yeah, we... yeah, for sure. And, and uh, but it's it's also it's different because or difficult because you. Let's say there's a female comedian and, and she's not funny. What do you give her uh, claps and laughs out of sympathy? You know, that would be wrong as well, right? Um, yeah. That's a, that's, um, a, that's a problem in this. That does it happen in performing arts quite a bit. Sometimes people put them in just for the sake of it rather than being if they're good or not. Yeah. It's... One of my friends said, with comedy, you've got to treat it as like a market. What can you sell? Like how are you marketable to other people? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in, I guess it's the same in the, in the UK, you know. Uh, if you sell tickets, you, you get paid, right? And uh, that's the same thing in Denmark, you know. So... Obviously, if you've got a, a comedy club and uh, you want to put people on, you want to put the, on people who sell tickets. Um, so it kind of, you know, it's, it's a tough business, you know? It's a, it's a tough world, comedy. Do, so when you... How, how long did it take for you to get your big sort of breaks and get to where you are now? Because it, it wasn't always sunshine and roses for you. No, no, no. It was... Uh, I spent years and years and years trying to to find my my style and, and, and the grip, the whole thing. I think I spent like five years and just bumming, 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 and uh, uh, dying on stage. And it, I'd actually given up. Uh, I, you know, I moved to Copenhagen to the capital to to pursue my dream, and I was just so bad, I, uh, and I couldn't get laughs and. Uh, People didn't want to put me on, so I actually gave up, and I was on basically excluded from the whole uh, milieu of, of comedy. And um, I was training actually. I was, I was training for uh, the Copenhagen Marathon, and I was uh, running 30k. And I, I experienced this called runner's high, 
I just and I just got this epiphany. I was like, hey, this is what I want to do instead of what I've been trying <clears throat> trying to do for five years. This is what I really want to go for. My my style, you know. I went home and I I deleted everything I'd ever done, and called up this booker I knew. And said, Can you get me on? I said, Yeah, yeah, but you no, know, not until a month, and you're only gonna get five minutes. And and uh, I said, Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then I went on stage and I really changed my style and my my I changed everything, my hairstyle and uh, and uh, and my comedy was really weird. And 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 then like five. Five uh, weeks later, I, I won the the national championship in in, um, in stand-up comedy for for amateurs, right? Um, so th- and then from there, it kind of you know I, you know, when you have five minutes, uh, you and from there to having a a one-man show or whatever. But yeah, and it was it was weird. Not like a year later, some of the big comedians they they took me on a tour. Uh, where we were five, six comedians, and I did this joke. I mean, I, I did some really in the beginning, really weird stuff. I was, I went on stage, and we sold out like big theaters, and it was great. And I went on stage singing like, and then I ended up saying, "Great time, And people were like, "What the fuck is this?" And that was kind of my style, you know. And um, so that's where I found my niche, right? Uh, like the weird stuff that was kind of what you i was related to um for years and years and years then i in in 2012 i think it was i yeah 12 i got cancer for the second time and had to go through a chemotherapy and you know i had long hair i was like known the long-haired comedian that was me you know that was you the weird long-haired comedian, you know, and I was always drunk on stage. I fell down. I, I was always bleeding when I left stage. You know, so that was kind of sure, right? And um, so, when, but when I, you know, was declared well after cancer, it's like I changed. I just become, you know, an an adult overnight. I just couldn't see myself going on stage, doing what I'd done the last uh, twelve years. Um. Uh, so I actually gave up again. I said, oh, I'm finished. I, I'll become a journalist or I sell coffee on the corner, whatever. I cannot go on stage again. And then people kept, you know, you know, when we, when you've been, you know, I was like a circus uh, act, you know, I could smell the sawdust and um, people kept, kept, kept on saying, oh, do you want to go on? Do you want to? I said, I can't go on. I can't go on and say, work for me. You know, if I go on, I'll, I want to talk about my disease. And I said, yeah, yeah, do that, man. And, and I went on. And uh, I think the first first time I went on, I was still, you know, I didn't have any hair. And I I was very embarrassed about my bald hair, bald head. And uh, and um, I was wearing this this hoodie. And um, I went on. And, and when I went on, there was, a, there was actually a heckler. I said, that's not Gail. You don't have long hair. And the first word was, yeah, I had cancer. And he was like, oh, shit, 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 shit. And uh, well, I was so embarrassed about my 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 bald head and, and how I looked. And and I didn't even show it to my wife and kids and, uh, <laughs> or kid. And, um, and then I did this, I moved my head so it fell off my my hoodie. And, um, and I was just so embarrassed. And I was like, shit. And I was just, I was, I was, I closed my eyes and this tear went down my chin. And I thought, oh my God, they're like looking at me, want to throw rotten pieces of fruit at me. He's like, oh, you're so ugly. And, and then I opened my eyes and I just explained to them what I just thought of. And people laughed. <laughs> I thought, okay, this honesty thing works somehow in, in my. Uh, in a good way and I went backstage and people ah that was my co- colleagues say ah oh, that was so great when you did the move there and then I said that was not planned so alright go for the just tell your story as it is you know there's so many bizarre bizarre things when you uh, hospitalize right so just I, so I did a one man show and that was what I took to to Leicester uh, Comedy Festival no there's so many things to ask about it I mean it's all right. On the, like, 
if you if you took did that in an Edinburgh show, that's something that really attract a lot of viewers, and they'll be very interested to to look into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's yeah, it, that's we've had we've had a lot of Danes going to uh, the the Fringe, right? It's called right the Fringe. Yeah, Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah, and. Um... So it's uh, it's very we know of it. I've never been, unfortunately, and I think you know the reason why I I haven't been there is um, you know well you go there for a month or something and uh, yeah and you know I, I I'm 47 now and and I uh, I um, I have I've just I have <laughs> I've had kids in 19, 20, and 21. And, and then I have a teenager as well. So for me, you know, I would love to do it. It's just, it's just too, um, I wouldn't say risky, but um, for me, I'm just, I think our, our family is just trying to get by. So I, I do, you know, my stuff in, uh, in, in Denmark. And then sometimes I go abroad and do a keynote speak. I've just been to Chicago and where I talked to um, uh, uh, men with prostate cancer and, you know, you go there for one day and you go back the next day. And, uh, but, you know, you know, I, I have some friends uh, and colleagues who just went to the, to the fringe and, um, and, uh, but they have, you know, grown up kids and, and uh, so they can do it. That's really what's keeping me from, from doing this. All small kids I have. No, it's there's lots of big festivals in the UK, and there's yeah that that story is what you have is something that there's so many things in there. I mean, I've not had anything big like that, like in terms of in touch with it doesn't happen, but like people say when they have something like cancer or something big, like it changes ever so they get more positive, and that's the that's the cliche thing. But you had it twice, so I'm guessing you must have changed a couple of times each time you had it and it made you must have taught you more lessons than a lot of things would have done you, you got yeah yeah for sure man it's uh but yeah, i mean it was it was it was just the fact that you know my my big dream as a kid to become a comedian you know cancer made me give that up because i couldn't see myself on stage anymore so it was um it was it was crazy. It was crazy to uh, to experience that. You know what I've worked so hard for. I just couldn't see myself doing it anymore, and was prepared to to sell. There's nothing wrong in selling coffee, but that was you know I looked at these small small mopeds where you could uh, order a cafe latte and then you know go in the back of the moped. You know I thought of you know maybe I should invest in one of those and stand at a at the park. Uh, you know, I just did not want to do uh, comedy anymore. So cancer is, is crazy. It's, uh, it really makes you, uh, in, in good and bad ways. Um, I've heard a lot of people say, yeah, I wouldn't want to be without it because when I got on the other side, you know, it opened my eyes and uh, made me appreciate life more. I, I don't think I'll ever say that. It's, it's, it changed me and... And, and uh, I got on the other side, but it's uh, also brought so many negative things with it. And, you know, so I would rather have been without and still be long haired and drunk and bleeding on stage. <laughs> yeah, that, that's maybe, that. maybe, I don't know. Maybe it would be, you know, when I did that, I was uh, between uh, 21 and and um, yeah, thirty-five. So, so it was uh, maybe it would be pathetic now that I'm almost fifty to act like I'm twenty-one. <laughs> it's true. That's you don't want to be like one of those sixty-year-olds in a club whilst everyone's eighteen. And yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't mind performing with with young guys, but it's funny to watch a comedian that you know who eight, who's eighteen. And to uh, to listen to what they're talking about, what topics they bring up, compared to what I bring up, I I just finished a tour uh, called um, "Son of a Psychopath." Uh, I had a very 
and my dad was a, a psychopath and same kind of guy. And when he died, I thought, you know, what have I, you know, I've got 50% of his DNA. And uh, I'd done crazy stuff. So I did a show about that and was, uh, you know, also went to a, a, a shrink and a psychiatrist to, to, uh, to see if I was a, a psychopath. Uh, you wouldn't, I don't think that's the technical term for it, but you know what I mean. Uh, Are you? Uh, <laughs> you gotta see the show. No, I was actually. Uh, <laughs> I was actually diagnosed with uh, PTSD, uh, complex PTSD from my upbringing with him. Uh, so that was kind of okay. But, I, you know, brought that into the show. But it's just my point is, you know, when you're 18, you're talking, oh, I want to maybe what it's like to kiss with the tongue, uh, you know. And I'm like, oh, I'm afraid that, you know, my dad, you know, wanted to kill me. And you're like, okay, you know. So, um, so it's funny to watch and probably did the same kind of material when I was 21. That's a, whenever I hear you know, people go through bad experiences, the question I always ask, or something challenging is, how much has the experience, like, what's it called? How much do you have to attribute to what you become as the experience itself uh, and how you act to it? And how much of it is DNA in terms of how what you become through that experience? Like if you put different people in a certain situation, they, some people will treat it as a positive and they become better. Some people will treat it as, as a negative. It's how much would you say it's you? Uh, how much? The question I'm looking at is how much would you say when something like what you said happens? Is it? Is it likely to change you based on who you are rather than the situation itself? Like people say, oh, I was in a bad environment and I've ended up like this. How much is it on you to change it into something positive? Yeah. I've talked to a lot of cancer patients who are, um, who are actually quite sad when they hear oh well you could use it uh, in your benefit and you can uh, you know but because a lot of people can't you know uh, so it's the worst you know if you feel miserable and you've had whatever surgery done and chemotherapy and you you know you can never become the same person uh, when you've had chemo and you've uh, thought you are gonna die and you've had you know physically you'll never be the same either yeah I had testicular cancer and lung cancer uh, so there's just you know a lot of things I can't do uh, just because of physical things. So, but I was I've been very lucky. Uh, you know, I, I wrote a book about my disease. You know, it was, it was very therapeutic to to put it into words. Based on that, I did the show. Um, I had the whole that thing when he died. I did a podcast called "Can You Forgive a, a Psychopath." Uh, and then the show, uh, Son of a Psychopath. You know, so for me, it, that has worked, you know, to talk about it, to write about it, to do podcasts about it. Uh, but, you know, not everyone uh, has that uh, possibility. And so, and I, <laughs> I think as a comedian, you know, it's when you're, in, when you're experiencing bad or terrible, you know, it's like, oh, shit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. And then the next thought is maybe I can use this at some point, you know, and <laughs> because as a comedian, you're always writing stuff down, you know, when you uh, experience something good or bad, right? You go, oh, maybe that's, that's fun. That's terrible. That's whatever. And then you put it down and then maybe you can use it at some point. But, you know, if you're a janitor and, and uh, you don't, uh, to, to be on stage maybe you're frightened to be on stage maybe you're maybe you can't write maybe you you know maybe you're like a uh, a very closed person you know then they're sick and tired of hearing oh well you could use it then uh, when you get on the other side and uh, it'll change you for the better not necessarily you know some people just want to survive and uh, you know they can't walk anymore because of uh, the surgery and uh, mm can't remember anything because of the chemo um 
So they're like, oh, what, what, haven't you done the stand-up show now? <laughs> no, I'm a janitor, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know if that answered your question. You know, you formulated it quite badly, so I didn't know what the fuck to say. So I just said oh. <laughs> <laughs> No. Well, it's, it, well, it's a difficult question to ask. It's, um, no, it has answered it. Basically, it's annoy, it annoys the hell out of people who have gone through something like that. But someone has to say simply, if they haven't, say, oh, it's onwards and upwards. That's basically what you say. And not to do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but, um, but as I said, I, I would have rather been without the, the disease and the dad. But, uh, you know, I just, I really just wanted a normal life uh, with no psychopath but dad and uh, no disease. And, you know, if I could choose, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I also feel very fortunate that I've been able to use it. Uh, in, a, in a positive way, maybe even help one or two other people or inspire them. That was uh, that is insane, you know. When you get a, a message on whatever social media you're on, you say, yeah, I really enjoyed your book or your your podcast or I saw your show. That just makes the whole thing uh, worth it, you know. It's, that's what makes yeah, because you've affected someone else, you've made their life better. What? This, how, so how does it, now that you're quite big in Denmark, does it, does it affect, do you, what would you say are the positives and negatives of it? Because people completely change whenever you mention that you're a comedian or someone, even if I'm not a big comic, people change the way they behave to you. Because you're a big comic, it must in some ways annoy you that people treat you differently. But also it must be a good thing as well in terms of you get loads of spots. You don't have to do certain things that people in the lower end have to. You can make a full-time living from what you enjoy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's I'm not really I'm not really a, a red carpet kind of guy. You know, I, I'm not uh, uh, if you know what I mean. It's I, I'm not really taking advantage of it that much um i'm very fortunate that i'm you know every day i think of what i make a living out of my hobby right and my my dream I'm, i feel very fortunate about that um but when i actually when i go abroad just on vacation i never say to people i'm a comedian uh, i i just say i'm a journalist because when you say you're a comedian you say, oh no give us a joke uh <laughs> how, how do you uh, what do you how what do you think of and then you're like what the so just I always say uh, journalist and that's that started years and years and years ago I, I think it was I was in India and that's what I experienced when you say you're a comedian it's like whoa that obligates apparently um, hmm. well so since you what well, but. If you were to give like one bit of advice now for someone, if they're big, like you are in comedy, what advice would you give them in terms of dealing with getting lots of people knowing about you and like getting in contact with you and wanting, your, wanting to see you, wanting to take selfies, bothering you when you're having a coffee? What advice would you give? All right, yeah. Uh... I'm actually, it's, 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 uh, I, I actually, I, I don't enjoy taking selfies with people that much, but I've never turned anyone down because it's, it's, it's a positive move, isn't it? But I, I'm, I'll be honest, I've never, I've never understood the whole concept of uh, having a selfie with someone, but, um, but I, I do it. And I try to answer everyone back if they write to me, uh, you know, because, you know, people take a lot of time and put a lot of effort into saying I, I enjoyed whatever uh, book, podcast, show. So I, you know, think, yeah, I just want just, to just to say thank you. Uh, that would be my advice. I mean, the, the funny thing is with my generation, when I started doing stand-up in, in 96, 
that wasn't a thing. You know, you couldn't make a living of it in Denmark at that point. So my generation, uh, we started because we enjoyed performing. And uh, maybe we could get free bar and, and score some chicks. That was basic, basically why we started doing stand-up, like people who join a rock band. Or, uh, yeah. And then, you know, maybe things change and uh, your perspective is different years later when, you, when you're grown up. But that was basically what I wanted, free bar and, and score chicks. And uh, so nowadays with the whole reality uh, concept, you know, people join reality shows to become famous people become youtubers to become famous you know that was not my my ambition really i just wanted to perform and and, and um but but i you know i think it was Lars ulrich from who's also danish from metallica the drummer who, who said you know listen uh you just gotta you know be kind to people and you know they're the reason why you you gotta you know, you got bread on the table, so you got to think of that, right? Um, but it's just, I, I, I don't get the whole. I once met Johnny Depp uh, in oh. New York in uh, in his nightclub, and uh, I was, I think actually it's a, a British person who invented the gumball, uh, gumball three thousand. It's like a, a, a race where you race three thousand miles in. In one week, you go from one country to another, and I was a, a part of that. And we ended up in New York. I was standing in Johnny Depp's club, and um, and it was it was a burlesque show going on on stage. I was like, "Well, okay." And then I looked over, and then Johnny Depp was standing just up against the wall, just on his own. I did like this, and he did like, "Yes, it's me." And I was like, okay, <laughs> also me. And I was just so happy that I didn't, you know, that moment I had with Johnny Depp, nodding and yes and yes. If I pull up my phone and, oh, do you want a selfie? Do you want to give me an autograph? Do you want to, what was it like to record Pirates of the Girl? You know, that would just ruin the whole moment. Now I got this perfect moment with Johnny Depp. And that's why in Denmark, we bike a lot. I bike a lot around. I never use my car, really. But when people shout to me, uh, shout at me in the, in the street, and say, hey, Gail, great podcast. And I can, I'm on the move. And they say, thanks a lot. Uh, I'm glad you enjoy it. That's, that's the perfect selfie for me. Hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah, I've, I've... but you know, people they come up and they they always ruin a moment. You know, I'm maybe sitting with my daughter or uh, talking to a friend, and people are, can I just because I'm on my way, so can I just get a selfie? And then you, uh, then uh, then I would say yes, and then they pull out their phone, and then they, oh no, it's on video, uh, or oh, I have to turn the, ca and then that whole, and then you're like, mm, you know, so um, that's my advice to people. Uh, say yes, but. Um, Think of in the moment when uh, turn your camera and think, oh, they're, they're, you know, they're the reason why I, I don't have to, uh, I don't have to uh, have a paper round, you know. <laughs> no, that's. But, but it is a weird culture. The whole selfie thing It's a weird culture. It must annoy the hell out of like, God. I can't imagine what it must be like for, I don't know, Beyonce. She can't even go to Puerto Monje. I think she has uh, some big, big guys and girls who uh, push away selfie people. But she doesn't get any time to herself. She always has to have a bunch of. I'm, glad, I'm glad you compare my situation to uh, Beyonce. I must say, I'm very honest. <laughs> oh, where are the bodyguards? <laughs> Is is that is is there some bodyguards out here on the on the Zoom chat? And is there someone around there? If you if you're not happy with the podcast, is you are you gonna get someone that's gonna carry me and throw me in the they're on the way they're on the way to you right now. Oh, oh I'm sorry, I take back everything. <laughs> where 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 are you in um, in UK now? Uh, London at the moment. Cool. I live the next to Finsbury Park. Oh, that's an interesting area. It's an area with a lot of character. Oh yeah, yeah, and then I lived uh, uh, 
next to the Chanjuline tube station. I think that was the red line back then. Ah, the central line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I worked near uh, near the British Museum in Southampton Row in Dean's Bar. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm a big fan of London. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to go into the bar and I'll remember what you said. I'm going to ask them if I can get a discount on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, It was in a, um, an area with like five hospitals. And so nurses got, uh, was it 20%? You just say you're a nurse and you uh, uh, you slept with uh, Gio and uh, you'll get 20% off, I'm, think, well, what? I'm sure. And I say he was at the top end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do that. Uh, if there's if there's one piece of there's one lesson you've learnt most in life, that what what would you say to your younger self? If there's one, um, I I you know I'm I'm in um, uh, I have these check cancer checkups actually the rest of my life um, every year so every year around uh, November I think oh shit I'm gonna die right and uh, so I quite often think of would I have changed anything in my life and uh, what would I have done anything differently and I wouldn't actually you know I I I am so glad I went for my dream and and uh, you know the other day when I was in Chicago talking to these men uh, with prostate cancer and after afterwards I took a, a ride on a boat and on uh, on the river and then it was just I'm thinking I'm so goddamn lucky doing what I love the most and uh, get a trip to Chicago and you know I feel so fortunate and um, so you know this time in November if the doctors say listen you, you're, you're out of here in six months I wouldn't regret anything um, you know I would like to to see my, my youngest daughter she's just nine um, ten months I would like to see her turn 20 but you know I don't take that for granted um, but so, so I'm in that position where I look back and think, oh, did I do the right thing? And did I uh, marry the one? You know, I've been married loads of times. Did I marry the, the right one this time? Yes, I did. And, and uh, uh, yeah. So my advice to my, my younger self is just, you know, relax. It's going to work out fine. Um, even though you have to struggle. We always, we all have to struggle once in a while. So I feel very fortunate in that sense. And if there's, <clears throat> if there is, if there's one thing that you'd like to be remembered for, what would it be? That I, I didn't compromise. You know, I, I, uh, I took it all the way um, every time, and didn't settle for less. You know. Um, and you know you gotta you know you gotta live your life you know you gotta live your life so many times I've actually been broke as hell uh, because I've done some crazy stuff that I shouldn't have bought or, or invested in but you know got on the other side so many times I've been you know, oh, I think I'm gonna die this time but then you, you know you got on the other side again and, and, and it's just you know life can end when I go up the stairs, I'm in the basement right now of my house. You know, I can, you know, last, last year I fell down from my roof, and broke my, my arm and my shoulder and my leg and busted up my head. I fell down from like four meters. And, uh, you know, I didn't know it was about to end there. I think it's every time around November. Uh, so <laughs> just go for it. You know, if there's something you dream of or if you're in a bad marriage you know get a divorce find a new beautiful more beautiful woman or man or you know enjoy life it can end in a second you know
that's really how I, I I live. That's my mantra. That's bloody brilliant, mate. That is that's it. That's brilliant, and I think that's a great bit to end the podcast on. What <laughs> I want to say here is so that we're going to end it with me dying on on my staircase in a minute. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this is shooting bring, right there. The song, yeah. <laughs> what, what, for anyone that wants to know about you, how do they find out about you? Is it on Grinder, Tinder, Match.com? Is it on uh, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube? What is it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, I've, I've just had my Instagram hacked. So if you find me there, it's it's not me. There's <laughs> a guy from from Turkey, but um, I'm on I'm on Facebook. It's it, my handles are, are Geo Comedy Geo. Uh, comedy and uh, I, I think i have a, a channel on youtube with some some videos as well i did a tip talk i think it's there that's in english if you're an english-speaking person um and on, on twitter as well geo comedy and also instagram but that's that's not me that is uh i think who's posting things for me now okay yeah and you guys know where to go she is going to give me links to like his his book, his website, all the social media, so you know where to find out about him. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Make sure you give it a five star review on Amazon or iTunes. Subscribe, most importantly, join this journey. And if you guys don't do any of those things, I'm going to go in and I'm going to beat you up. All right? Holy smoly! That's that's a great way to end it. Oh, <laughs> but I love it if you guys do that. Um, been an absolute pleasure, guys. I'll see you next episode.